You're listening to the Podcastle, and this is Tingle Classic Movies with Mike Tingle. How are you, sir? Good, my brother. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Great to see you. Likewise. It's been a minute. Tonight is Oscar night. If you're listening to the show, chances are it's either already happening or you've seen it or you wouldn't watch it. But this show is going to be fantastic and fun regardless of your preference. So right on. Happy Oscar night to you, sir. Happy Oscar night to you as well, my friend. Official name is the Academy Awards. And this is going to be uh, what what year is what? What is this? The 95th? This is 90, I think 94, 90, 94, 95. 94. Got it. And uh, lots happened in 94 years, right? Yeah, it's, it's a lot has happened. And we just mentioned before the show, they're going to do some tributes uh, tonight on the 50th anniversary of The Godfather, which I can't believe that's 50. You know, it sounds like somebody already did a show on that, though. And I don't know. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's already out there. Right. From somebody, some, to some two excellent performers. Yeah. Like just hello world. Just check the podcast. Oh, geez. Yeah. Mike and I have covered that extensively and it's the 60th anniversary of the James Bond franchise, which started off with Dr. No in 62. Absolutely. Which I still love that movie. I know it has its flaws and things, but Sean Connery's first performance, it's in black and white. It's got the classic, iconic image of him at the casino in Monaco. And it's just, right. you know, the, fr- it, it I mean, the, the first time, you know, he says Bond, James Bond. It's like, all right, I can get into this. And of course, Ursula Andrews coming off of the beach. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, I, yeah, I, it, <laughs> and I mean, it starts off with some, uh, it kind of allows you to, uh, it starts off with um, a couple of the tropes that you become aware of later on, um, like the ridiculous ways, you know, the Austin Power stuff, like the ridiculous traps that they try to send him. Like they could just yeah. kill him in his sleep. Instead, they drop a tarantula in his bed. Right, like, right. Um, and you know, you look back, it's like, uh, yeah, all he has to do is stomp the freaking spider. And uh, right, yeah. <laughs> I love the, uh, the 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 you know escapable situations, and I, I do like that Austin Powers does allude to that. Where they're like, no, no, I'm just going to assume everything goes according to plan. You know, let's eat dinner, <laughs> and it's like, well, let's just kill him right now. It's like, no, no, I got a gun in my room. I I do. <laughs> we can go get him right now. Bam! I do like that. They the James you don't Bond. get it, Scott. You, you don't get no, no, Scott. I just don't <laughs> get it. Uh, I do love that they Dr. No f- kind of sets the formula for James Bond secret agent. He ends up in some tropical island. Like most of the Bond movies, there's always it's like Jamaica. I think it's where they right. wrote Bond. Um, you know, that's Goldeneye was the name of the house of uh, who's the guy that wrote Bond? Um, um, Ian Fleming. Ian Fleming. Yeah, so they, they follow that trope of they go to some exotic island, you know, and there's always some lair. Like, all these evil geniuses have, <clears throat> excuse me, unlimited funding, you know, like hundreds of millions of dollars to fund these, like, it's like, why don't you just build a nice mansion there and just hang out with serpents? Like, that seems, you have the money. It seems like a pretty right? good deal. 
you know, but, um, but they do follow that trope. They kind of set the standard for other Bond movies, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and and you see by, uh, you know, the intro is just like the Bond theme and uh, um, it's, it's like a silly like Three Blind Mice song or whatever. Um, yeah. But then by, by the time they get to Goldfinger, you know, round three, um, they really got they really nailed down everything. There's the intro, um, the the scene where he electrocutes the guy in the hot tub, or not the hot tub. He electrocutes the guy in the in the bathtub, and then oh, like yeah. le- he like leaves the room with the girl. You know, positively shocking. And then the song comes on, and then they after the song they roll right into the film, and you know it, you get used to that. Um, Lately, they've kind of been letting those scenes go. I think the last one had to be like 15 minutes long. But yeah, um, but I like those in- intro scenes. And then the song just kind of, you know, merges in from the like, it, it's kind of like a fade into the silhouette scene. Um, right. And it, I, I usually enjoy it. There's a few clunker songs, but uh, for the most part, um, I think like, those no Bond themes. Time. <laughs> by the way the opening scene used to be not used to be they kind of switched it up but a lot of times it was a non you know not related to the plot kind of scene it was just an opening action sequence to get you in um they didn't do that with golden eye the golden eye the opening scene was basically the whole plot of the movie of betrayal of 006 um, right die another day was crucial but they kind of like shine away from that in past years and the thing with we talked about no time to die. Um, I, I think the movie as a, I don't know. What do you think about it? The movie to me as a whole is good. It's just not a good bond movie. If that makes sense, in my opinion. Likewise, I, I think the movie is shot well. And I, I think Daniel yeah. Craig is, is great. And I actually think um, I saw someone who said that um, this may have been his best turn as bond. I don't think I disagree with that, but I think I agree with you that the film itself is flawed. Um, yeah. For one, um, maybe this is just a personal liking of myself, but um, Anna DeArmas, the girl that he's in with in the Knives Out. Just, I don't know if you saw Knives Out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, great film. Um, she's fantastic. And you, you're you're led to believe that she's in, she's in it throughout. She only has the one fight scene where she they kick ass together. They have, right. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. just like knives out. They have great chemistry and she's done. She's out. Right. Yeah. It, it made it sound like she was going to be in there more like a staple. Yeah. And it just seemed like such a waste. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So. And I think, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen no time to die, you can skip ahead a few minutes, but he dies at the end. So it, it, it was a time to die. Apparently. And I, I didn't really, I don't know. I didn't like that because it, it broke away from the mold. Bond should be absolute, you know? There's that one, right. like I mentioned, there's that one part of the movie where he's like cornered and trapped and he has to get out and it gets intense. But he should be like absolute, you know? He's, he's a secret agent that's like unstoppable. Um, and then he has like a kid in the movie. So like, I, I feel like it could have been a different movie altogether and it would have worked. But I don't know, for a Bond movie, it's like, I think it was like too ambitious in a way. Yeah. I, I think they did kind of fall into their own ambition. Um, yeah. I mean, all right, you're going to move past Daniel Craig. 
Um, right. uh, you have to kill him off. I mean, he's all of a sudden something in like a in like a Marvel film. Like we're not bringing back Ant Man, so let's just kill him. Um, right, right. You know? um, and, and honestly, when I first saw the film, I didn't think about it. Um, but then after I let it kind of simmer, I'm like, eh, he's Bond. And like, I like the James Bond, like the, uh, the idea of it being like a moniker, like, you know, yeah. like 15 people can come by and they're all going to be 007 and codename James Bond. Like it could be uh, Michael McGuire, but he's going to be James Bond when he goes in and works for uh, MI6 or whatever. Um, right. That said, they still could have found a way to not have killed him off. Yeah, yeah, like and, like and on a high note, you know. And right. I get why the director and the, or the writers or whoever producer's decision was that it's the last movie with Daniel Craig. They're like, let's do something different that's never been done before. So I can see like them doing that. Was there a public outcry on that? I haven't really heard too many people be like, I can't believe they did that. No, honestly, my guess is that the movie itself wasn't big enough to warrant the outcry. Yeah, because they kept delaying it. It was delayed for like two years, which never helps too. you know, like with Top Gun Maverick and all this, all these. Right. Top Gun Uh, Maverick, I I saw trailers for in like 2018. It's like, just release (laughs) the freaking thing because it's Tom Cruise holding it up, you know. Seriously. But yeah, I mean, if this was a, a, a great Bond film, like Goldfinger of the Spy Who Loved Me or something. Maybe yeah. people would, would have been up in arms about it, but you know, yeah. I mean, this was more along the lines of like Moonraker and Octopussy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I own Moonraker too. I'll put yeah. it on once in a while with Jaws and everything and the ridiculous yeah. like yellow spacesuits. Right, and all the, all, all the, the bad, like the, the laser beam graphics and shit. And really, remember- talk about not holding up. <laughs> You remember, um, did you ever have Nintendo 64? Um, no, but I would go other places and play it. Yeah, Goldeneye, the game. It was like yeah, the best so, game ever. I know. I didn't have it either when it came out. I had it like secondhand, like years after it was like available from I was, somebody I, gave it. Somebody just, yeah, somebody just like gave it to you. Yeah, like you gave it to my brother or something, and I, I would play Goldeneye. Like circa 2000, 2001, like right after high school. I was like, this is the best game ever. But I remember going to like a birthday party and my buddy had Nintendo 64 and they were all playing Goldeneye. I was like, this is the greatest thing like ever. Like the first person shooter, um, Bond, like, because I love the movie Gold, Goldeneye, the, ga- the movie. Yeah. It's like, it's still like my favorite Bond movie. Um, so that was so cool to see that. But Goldeneye was the first Bond movie I ever saw. And I saw it in the theater, so it always has like a special place in my heart. Yeah, I think that was the first one I ever saw in the theaters too, because really? they remember there was the hiatus. Um, yeah, between Dalton and, and Brosnan, I think it was like six or seven years that when uh, I forget what his second one was, License to Kill. I think I don't remember which one came first, License to Kill or uh, The Living Daylights. Either way, they, they moved on sure. from him, and it was like six years before they hired Pierce Brosnan, who they were going to hire, like when they hired Dalton, like Roger Moore, yeah, or Dalton or whatever. So, yeah, the, like I, maybe it was Roger Moore, but he was doing like Remington Steel or something, right? <laughs> right. So they're like, 
which nobody watches. So it's like, right. I guess they waited. But um, I do like, I do like in No Time to Die that he ordered the martini shaken, not stirred straight up. Because in the last few years, they would like allude to it and maybe just have it like shaking on a plane because they have to do that in every movie. But I right. felt like on a, on a positive note, No Time to Die was like kind of a true to form in a lot of ways. They were nostalgic, you know, with the opening scene in the car and the machine yeah. gun turrets and stuff. They were, you know, they were trying to do that. Um, but I don't know. Out of all the Bond movies, who do you think was the best Bond villain? Oh, that's a good one. A tough one, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the most iconic is probably Goldfinger. Yeah, he had the laser beam and all. Plus, he didn't do any like he didn't do anything. He pointed a gun at Bond once. His yeah. whole thing was was his henchman in the plane, right? right. Yeah. Um, and you Lacey. mentioned you mentioned Jaws before. I, I I always loved Jaws. I mean, he he came back. What was he in three films? I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, it was, he started in Moonraker, I think. And I love, um, I mean, between the Sting and Jaws, I mean, I have a soft spot for Robert Shaw, who who plays, uh, yeah. you know, the, the Russian uh, villain in From Russia With Love. And they have that battle at the uh, on the train. And oh, yeah. Just, in that film, he's just so... I mean, he's just so Robert Shaw, like demeaning and like just like don't get in his way. He's he's freaking nasty. He's salty. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, um, he was a great actor. Yeah. Um tonight, uh so what is the tribute gonna look like? Are they doing one of those retrospectives where they show like a two minute video or yeah. something like that? I mean, I have no idea. my guess is they'll have somebody from the franchise come out and introduce it or um and then it'll just be like a montage of clips which is fine by me yeah yeah i think yeah. that's what you have to do and i I, yeah. hope, I hope the i hope they go back to a true to form kind of thing for the academy awards the last few years they've lost a lot of viewers because they're trying to do a hybrid like do you remember when kevin hart was supposed to host and then like some tweet or something they found so we had to like step out so then they like didn't have a host and then they had like three hosts and then 10 and then they they upped the best picture, you know, the nominees or whatever to like 10. So they've been like doing right. all this stuff. And I kind of long for the days when it was like one host. And if they were good, it was great. Like a Seth MacFarlane or Billy Crystal. And, you know, like it was a fun thing. But like with COVID and the cancel culture, I felt like the Academy Awards got a little watered down the last like three, four years. No, I, I totally agree. And I don't think they did themselves any favors this year with Amy Schumer. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a weird choice. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I like the other two ladies, but yeah, I just yeah. who is, I think it's Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, they're, they're fine enough, entertaining. Good work. You know, but they, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, we'll see what happens. They used to do. Um, I remember, like when Billy Crystal hosted, he did like a bunch. I think he hosted more than anybody. He'd come out and do like a huge song number, and then there was like insets. But they kind of changed the format. They got rid of a lot of the smaller categories to be televised this year, which, you know, it's good for timing and pacing. But if you're a filmmaker, 
and you know you're like a special makeup artist and you get nominated that's like the highlight of your life um you would want that the world to see that you know it's kind of it kind of sucks they took that out i think he said it best i I mean i i I consider it like uh almost like touchdown celebrations like i hate most um penalties that go with um you know excessive celebrations in football because you know especially like defensive player you may reach that end zone once or twice in your life if you're lucky you know or you're like an offensive lineman that falls on a fumble in the end zone like you know that's a big deal like i don't give a shit what you do Um, yeah you want to like you know celebrate i mean there's a difference between excessive like spiking the ball i know you can't do there's a difference between that and like taking your pants off and jumping into the crowd okay (laughs) i get that might be excessive but um, they gave an excessive call on the, at the Super Bowl. Do you remember when um, I think it was Cincinnati scored and like one of the players that was injured came onto the field like in plain clothes <laughs> and they're like, yeah. you can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But like other stuff, it's like these guys are going to be in the end zone once or twice in your life. Right. You know, and like, like you said, I mean, these, you know, and then there's also like the double standard, like you're not going to give, um, Leonardo DiCaprio or whoever wins best picture, best actor, best actress, you're not going to give them the, the music like, Hey, let's get off, but you'll give it to whoever wins for best art direction. It's like, eh. yeah, exactly. Just just let it run. Who gives a shit? That's a good point. Just let it run. I get it. If it's like five minutes for best foreign short film, you know, special effects or something. And they're like, you know, I like to thank my gerbil who was there for me 10 years ago. It's like, <laughs> all right, wrap it up. But like when Daniel Day-Lewis won like his third Oscar or whatever, they didn't cut him off. He, he was going kind of long, you know? Yeah. But yeah, but they know that I feel like the Oscars have done a better job of knowing their audience. They're like when The Walking Dead was huge uh, back a few years ago. And right. there were a few years where they coincided. They would try to wrap it up by The Walking Dead by like 10 p.m at least LA time because they knew they were going to lose like half their viewership. For right. Stuff and like like that. The, the presenters, um, you know, they, they stay pretty current. I, I saw, I know Kevin Costner is going to be a presenter tonight. You know, he's there for his uh, involvement in Yellowstone, which is huge, which I love. Which that is, is a also, great show. Right. Reminds me of the Chumani Chutanka Owachi days of Dances of Wolves. Oh yeah. Western with Costner. He's done a bunch of Westerns too. The postman being his greatest, of course. Yeah, oh, obviously. <laughs> but uh, dances with wolves. I, I just love dances my with pants, wolves. and there's not a thing anyone can do about it. <laughs> so, night, <laughs> long live the king. I do love, uh, not love. When I was a kid, I used to watch that movie a lot, and that scene always scared me because I didn't understand why this major was so sick and then you realize later it was like alcoholism or syphilis he was just insane but i was like why would that guy kill himself that's so weird you know like it was like creepy to watch yeah and uh live the king (laughs) king is dead they did that in key and peel there was a family matters episode uh where like carl winslow played by jordan peel comes in is like why is it always about steve and the other guy like his own cocaine he ends up killing himself because urkel controls him he goes the king is dead long live the king and i'm like that's a dance with wolves reference like good nice. for him. um but tonight there's okay so 
who do you like? What's your takeaway from tonight? Who do you think is going to win? Will Will Smith finally get an Oscar? Because like, I don't know how many chances he's going to get. And I felt like he's put his time into Hollywood. He deserves it at this point. Yeah, it sure seems like he's going to win. And um, I'm, I'm all right with it. I haven't seen um, I haven't seen that. King Richard. Like, yeah, like you said, he's got a he's got a lifelong um, rung of, of, you know, pretty great roles. I mean, he was nominated for Ali and a few other things. Six Degrees of Separation he was good in. Yeah. Um, obviously, his work in Fresh Prince goes a little, you know, everyone always points to the, uh, the scene where his dad walks out. Oh, but, yeah. Right. Why don't he want me, man? <laughs> and I'm going to be a a father, I'm gonna get a whole bunch of honeys. I'm gonna be that best damn father, <laughs> and that's something he can't teach me about because he doesn't know how to love your kid. And then Uncle Phil like hugs him. That that yeah. comes out. That tugs on the heartstrings. That scene. I heard that that wasn't um. That was all um. Uh, James Avery's um, I guess like an improv tug basically because he didn't know how to react to to what oh. Will had just done. So he just kind of embraced them, and obviously, wow. and, and it worked. It was a great scene. That is a great scene. So, um, so oh, I'm happy. Sorry. I mean, I like Benedict Cumberbatch and all, but he'll he'll probably get another big role. Yeah. Um, so I don't mind him losing to to the will. Um, for sure, Benedict Cumberbatch is up for Power of the Dog, which um, is also nominated for Best Picture. Will probably win Best Picture. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's got a lot of steam to win, um, and that its biggest uh, thing is that which that Coda film, which a lot of people say it's about, um, like the the deaf girl who is trying to um, uh, live a more independent life. I think looks good. I, yeah, I just you know, there, there's it's a shame, man. <laughs> It's a shame because there's no uh, there's no desire to go to these movies anymore. They're not big to do, right. you know. And I don't know, I don't know if it's the fact that to watch a film in IMAX is you know twenty bucks. So by the time you and your family get out there, or even just you and your your spouse, you know, with a, a snack or two, you're looking at a sixty to eighty dollar night. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's an event, right. you know, it like, it's like used to be what like Disney world would cost. And it's also, right. I agree with you. The movies, it, it changed the dichotomy of the Academy Awards, like the nominee criteria, I should say changed somewhere in the mid two thousands. You know, the movies that were always nominated were also movies that like families would go out and droves in. Um, here's, here's a list of some of the best picture winners and nominees from 1990 to I'll just do 2000. Dances with Wolves, Silence of the Lambs, Goodfellas, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, Braveheart, Apollo 13, English Patient, uh, Jerry Maguire, Titanic, uh, LA Confidential, Saving Private Ryan, um, The Green Mile, a lot of, uh, a lot of Hanks and uh, Stephen King stuff in here, Gladiator, um, you know, like things like that, uh, Lord of the Rings. 
2003. These are movies that like made a ton of money and people would go out to. If Lord of the Rings came out today, I do not think that would be nominated for, for anything, really. It would be like another... Well, I mean, I don't know, because Dune was nominated, so right. maybe it would be. But for the most part, a lot of these movies that you were nominated in the past, I'll even say 15 years, people aren't going out in droves, and they're not re-watching a lot. I don't know anyone that's watching like the King's Speech again. Um, I mean, I, I love that movie. I think it's great. I'm a history guy, but I, I mean, yeah, it's not, I it's like not the it. same kind, you know? Right. And you mentioned those movies on the top of your head, they, and they all have, you know, they all have characters and memorable scenes and imagery. Um, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm poo-pooing or just bam giving a, a bad mark to all these uh, the movies no, of the modern age. I just think it's it's a little different now. Um, and I do think in part because of shows like you know, The Sopranos and Breaking Bad, um, The Wire. I mean, you can and, you know, even like Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead and stuff, you're getting this type of entertainment without even having to go anywhere. Right. So television has jumped as far as quality, like tenfold in the past 10, 15 years, because it used to be, you know, you like actors would retire on TV. Like that's where they went when their career was bottoming out. But now it's like exactly. the opposite. They switch, you know, yeah, I was just, like it's, it's funny. I, I, I was thinking that today, too, about the actors retiring because um, uh, because of <laughs> I heard Moon River. So um which is obviously from Breakfast at Tiffany, which, yeah, <laughs> which starred Buddy Epson. And I thought, oh, man, yeah. Because I, I feel bad that I'm not a big um, Breakfast at Tiffany's fan uh, because I, I do love Buddy Epson. Um, but uh, he did kind of like have like that career in the 50s and 60s. And then it was like, well, that's over. Time to go to the Beverly Hillbillies. And yeah, that was kind of, Oh, and then after the Beverly Hillbillies, he had uh, the hell was that one show? Not Barney Miller. It was like a he played like a police chief. Um, Barnaby Jones. Barnaby Jones. There you go. Yeah. Um, and that was it. But you know, he he wasn't as big in the, in the movies after Beverly Hillbillies came around. Now these, you know, you see Nicole Kidman and Anne Hathaway. And Oscar Isaac and whoever it might be, and they're on TV, right? Yeah, it's like it, that's know? kind of where they go to. Um, I do like Buddy Epson though. He's he's his work body of work is incredible. Like the amount of movies that he's done. Mm-hmm. He did. He was in the Beverly Hillbillies movie too as a cameo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> remember that? I like that film. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he was in a lot of good stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Now it's like they can switch over. You know, a lot of actors will do their own, helm their own TV show. You know, they'll be like the flagship for that network. Right. Like the morning show or whatever is on Apple TV, like that kind of thing. Like they jump over. Um, but yeah, it should be. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But TV really did change up the ante. And plus with like Netflix, how now it's a serious studio where before it was just you rent your DVDs. Right. Um, it's pretty incredible when you think about that. 
Blockbuster could have oh, gotten, got, gotten in on if they were smart. Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix at one did point. You, did you watch that Kevin Smith documentary? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was good. It was good. Yeah. It's like they thought that it was going to go away and they they decided not to buy it. And then they got in too little too late and it, it would have worked. They were wor- it was kind of working for a while, but they couldn't afford these brick and mortar stores. And that's what really tanked them. Yeah, it's just bad business decisions. Really bad. You know? Yeah. yeah and fail, failure to look into the future and see um, see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, they didn't really play their cards right. Um, but tonight... Think, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say one last thing. I think um, because I happened to see a superhero movie last night. I think the superhero the marvel dc thing like these are movies that you kind of see in the theater now yes. and most other films eh, you could kind of wait you know because you know that if you see avengers endgame like it, it's different in the big screen but if you see yeah. you know legally blonde or whatever it might be you can just wait until it comes out maybe a lot of people are doing that now since the movies are so expensive Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. The wife and I will do the, that same thing. If it's something that we can wait till it comes to like HBO Max or something like we'll do it. But if it's right. something like like when the new Jurassic, when Jurassic World Dominion comes out, I'll see that opening weekend, yeah. you know, kind of things. Because I I love the Jurassic World, Jurassic Park franchise, but like those kind of movies you want to see on the big screen and an IMAX. You know what I mean? Right. But something like The Power of the Dog, which um, I haven't seen yet, but it's on, you know, it was on Netflix and stuff like, right. They, they know their audience. They're like, they know, you know, we can put it on Netflix, um, which is cool. People think like Martin Scorsese, they have a big problem with the streaming thing. What do you think about that? And like Spielberg, they kind of like yeah. shun it. I don't know. Like movies are movies. And, and like, I, you know, Marty's my favorite director and all, um, but I, I think, you know, when he made those comments, it kind of sounds a little like curmudgeon Yeah. I mean, times are different. Right. And, and like, let's be honest. Like, I mean, honestly, I, I think uh, I, I saw the Batman. Did you see the Batman? No, I, I haven't seen it yet. Oh. Um, well, I loved it personally. Yeah. And I thought, you know, it's more so than a, a hero movie. It's very much like a detective film. Um, That's what I heard. Yeah, but you know, this time next year when the Oscars are coming around, it's not going to get, and it might get some like visual stuff and all, maybe the music, right. but it's it's not going to be up for Best Picture. Well, that's because but, the Academy votes on that, and it's right people like Marty Scorsese or Better in the Industry that unfortunately don't take superhero films seriously yet. Right. Not that not everybody, that's a generalization, but I'm saying the majority, you know, there are older folks that have been doing this for 30 years that they're not, they're, they share that kind of like opinion on it, I should say. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame. But, you know, to, everyone's got their, uh, everyone's got their preferences. Yeah. I just that, tend to, I try to keep mine kind of open. Like I like, Everything from, you know, the Marvel films to 
silent films. Right. Yeah. You're, uh, you're the film king. You know it all. Um, that's well, why I think the Batman <laughs> stuff worked. Uh, at least like the Christopher Nolan ones. They were movies first. They were films first and superhero movies second. You know, like they were good films. Right. Um, and, you know, I just feel like they get an unfair run. And with like Martin Scorsese and, and Steven Spielberg and all that, I feel like they did sound a little curmudgeon but they have to realize like times have changed and there will always be movie theaters, but with like streaming and everything, like you can't ignore that. That's a huge change in film history and it's like not going away. So, right. And then he did the Irishman on Netflix. So it's like, <laughs> so you, you know, know what I mean? Yeah. Like he gets yeah. it, but I don't know. I don't think Martin Scorsese will ever do another, I mean, he'll still do movies. Though. He'll do great movies, but he'll never do another movie like a Goodfellas or a Departed on that level. I think. Right. And you know, I was kind of thinking about this the other day with like, a, you know, like a band that sticks around, like a, like a, like a Pearl Jam or, or even like look at look at the Beatles, right? The Beatles, they had their eight year run and then they split and then they all made their music, which. If you follow the solo career, some of it's good, some of it's really good, and some of it isn't so good at all. Um, yeah. Eventually, not every Beatle album probably would have been stellar. You know, because it's just even even the most talent like Van Gogh didn't always, you know, not all his paintings were, you know, the Starry Night. You know, they're it's hard to strike a, a, a home run every time you swing the bat. Um, you can't do it. You're not Babe Ruth. You, you, you know? can't do it. And then the more, you know, the more that that's why you just kind of have to appreciate that. All right. You know, Francis Ford Coppola directed the Godfather trilogy and apocalypse now and the conversation. And then, you know, and then the eighties came and he did like the outsiders and, a few other then then they're like Dracula and you're like hey. Rumblefish. <laughs> Rumblefish. Um and all these movies have their merits and all, but I mean come on, I mean like you made Godfather one and two. Like the rest is just great. Yeah, that that immortalized him. The fact that you made those you can do that one good movie and you're like set for life. You know, right. your clout, I mean. <laughs> for the most part. Sometimes it doesn't always work that way, but it's like I made the Godfather, you know, it's like Frank Sinatra, you know, had a string of hits, amazing career, wonderful live performances. But his last like big song was really New York, New York or, uh, you know, start spreading the news um, in the 70s. But, doobie, doobie, doo. doobie, doobie, doobie. but he had a career 30 years after that until he died just because right. of Frank Sinatra. He did all look at his these songs catalog, which he wrote none of those songs. You know, but because no, no, the he voice. just sang. Yeah, um, you know, Frank's Frank's funny because Frank, um, you know, we just think of him as Frank, and you know, he's, but his his career was very segmented. Um, you know, he had that run after the war, yeah, uh, where he was, right. you know, one of the hottest, one of the hottest acts in showbiz from '44 to like, you know, '52 or whatever. Right. So, and then and then he like kind of lost his label. He moved to a Capitol record label. And then all of a sudden from like 54 to 60 ish, you know, he was great again. And then, 
you know, he again switched labels and it wasn't until like the mid sixties where he had like another run. And then that was kind of it. And, you know, the, the later years, he just kind of stuck it on cruise control and, you know, yeah. lived off his legacy. Yeah. It just came fun. out with the tux, you know, and, and yeah. sold out crowds for that. Um, yeah. Cause he was huge. Even like you mentioned in the forties, he was like the Beatles of the forties. They were like screaming girls and like the Bobby Soxers, like they would, like he was on fire in right. the 40s, you know. Um, yeah, he's a, what an incredible man. You know, what a <laughs> career. When you look at that, all the scars and everything, it's wild. Yeah, the um, stories, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love them. Uh, tonight's Oscar prediction. So best picture, uh, Power of the Dog is like the, the favorite. What, who do you, what's your predictions on tonight? Um, I, since I, you know, I, I like Benedict Cumberbatch, I would vote, I would go for power of the dog. Um, but a lot of people are talking about that Dakota film, um, which again, it's, it's hard because, you know, I haven't seen it, but yeah. they all sound pretty, um, pretty good. I, I don't know. How many are there this year? Ten, are there 10 again? Yeah. I kind of liked that when it was just five. That, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think five was better. I mean, ten's a crowded pool, you know? Yeah. I get it. It's an honor to be nominated, but, like, that's a lot. That's a lot of films. Um, you start letting, like, I, I, you know, look, I don't know. I, I saw Dune. I have, I have the book. I'm trying to get into it. I just, I don't know much about it. And yeah. I wasn't impressed with the original 84 Dune. So, I don't know. Right, I watched it. It was entertaining. Would I nominate it for Best Picture? No, but they did. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't. That was kind of a surprise to me too. You know, and and maybe like you said, Coda or something like that could come out, like another Crash. You know, where they thought like Brokeback Mountain was going to win that year, and like Crash won. Maybe like under the radar, one of these like surprise upsets will happen. You right. just don't know. Brokeback Mountain. I think that was the year that everyone thought that would win, but then Crash won. I'm pretty sure that was the year. I think that, oh yeah, that was the Crash year. And everyone, that was like instantly hated. Immediately. Yeah. Everyone was like, Paul Haggis is a hack. You know? (laughs) I I love the movie Crash. I know it gets a lot of shit and people think it's lazy, but I always thought it was a cool concept but i can see like the hack argument like oh you're interwoven right. everybody's storyline i get it that's creative but i never thought that would win best picture it hasn't know? been done before <laughs> yeah he didn't reinvent the wheel <laughs> paul haggis um but, but i he, mean there's some really good performances in it i mean yeah. daddy and newton's good and matt Dillon was good um even brendan fraser was pretty good you know yeah, they didn't yeah. ask him to do all that much but no, but um, I, I, he was good. The district attorney and um, yeah, you know, the, the, he did. I think he nailed the whole political thing where he's like, let's have a shot of me pinning a medal on a thing. Like immediately their politicians go to damage control. Like, well, let's get a photo op of me, like awarding a black police officer to mitigate this corruption kind of thing, you know? Right. Um, now, I think that says it's it's. That's a good one that you brought up because I think 
Um, I think some voters were a little not ready to vote for a film like Brokeback Mountain. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, and you've seen that before. I like to think that they're over that. And maybe yeah. like when, when Moonlight won a couple of years ago, I, maybe that was like the sign of the times. Because Could be. one film, when I was going back on some of the, the notes, like when we talked about maybe talking about the Oscars tonight, um, one battle that got me was the English patient winning um, because yeah. it's so drippy and it does not hold up at all compared to Fargo, which is still excellent when you watch it. You know? Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't hold a candle with Fargo. And I don't think if, if that same battle was was now, I think voters would have had the balls to vote for Fargo. I, that's a great point. I agree. And, and even a few years back, I feel like Forrest Gump would not have beaten Pulp Fiction. Uh, right. I think Tom Hanks would have been nominated for a Best Actor, um, probably because it's Tom Hanks. But I don't, I don't think that movie today would have been. Uh, you know, I think Shawshank would have would have won. Ultimately, yeah, that was a great year. Yeah, it was a great year. That, for all the people that bitch about Pulp Fiction not winning. I get it though, but it was up against The Fugitive and Forrest Gump, and right. What was the other one that you just said? Shawshank. That's a hell of a category. You don't get you're not, you're not getting these. You have ten films this year, and you're not getting that this year. No, not at all. Uh, it's. Yeah, it's tough because it's, you know, it's a club and the members of the Academy vote for him. But um, a lot of the movies aren't like mainstream anymore that all these, you know, they're bringing people out in droves. Right. Some are, but but not really. It's not. It's not like that. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting to see what see what will happen. Forrest Gump, too, would. uh, um, I, I feel like. Today, it wouldn't have been a, as big of a deal with CGI and everything. But then, I mean, half of the, at least in my opinion, half of the spectacle of the movie was that they used a blue screen and had like Tom Hanks meeting all these John Lennon, and JFK. Like you never really yeah. saw that before. And, and by today's standards, it looks pretty cheesy. A lot of them, you can see like the fake lips. But at the time, right. like it's pretty amazing that they did that, you know. But again, you know, that, so. that's another movie that kind of gets, um, I guess times hurt it. I, I know I've, I've, I've heard people mention it's not a very good depiction of like mental handicaps. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not, I'm not sure. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not the guy. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be the one to ask about that. Um, so I'll, I'll assume it's not. Yeah. Um, that said, I mean, he has to be, um, I mean, there was a book. And so the book, I know he, def- he they deviate a little from the book in some of the activities he does and all, but he still kind of takes his handicap and does what he does. So I, right. I don't know. And, and the film has, again, there's a bunch of great performances in it. You know, Gary Sinise and Robin Wright. Sally Field, um, it's fine. 
That, that's not, not a one day. Today. Yeah. <laughs> your mama really loves your education. <laughs> <laughs> she sure loves your education. <laughs> but don't be expecting me to call you captain. No, sir, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> um, tonight, best uh, best actor. There's uh, there's only five. There's Will Smith for King Richard, Denzel Washington for the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, Javier Bardem, uh, being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch, Power of the Dog, and Andrew Garfield for Tick Tick Boom, um, which is great, by the way. Which is great. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. That's that's one of the films I did see. I love Tick Tick Boom, and I love Andrew Garfield. I do too. I, I I do like Andrew Garfield a lot. I loved him in Social Network. I I loved him as Spider Man. I really did. Yeah. I wasn't thrilled that they were making a Spider Man that quick after Spider Man Three, but then I realized like no, Spider Man Three was like out of control. It's time for a reboot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah so I it was if, refreshing. If you it, did you, I, I'm sorry. Did you say you, you did see Tick Tick Boom? Yeah, I did see Tick Tick Boom. Yeah, which he really he directed liked. that. Yeah. Or no, he didn't. Uh, Lynn Miranda did. I'm sorry, right? He did. Um, he's not going to the Oscars tonight either. Oh, oh no, he's not. His, his wife got COVID or something. Oh. But but Lynn Miranda, if he's nominated, if he wins, he'll be the only like the fourth or fifth person to win an Oscar, Emmy, Tony, and Grammy, which is amazing, really. No, the EGOTs. He would be. I forgot he had an Emmy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, which is amazing to see. Yeah. Really, it's like, what do you do after that? You know, you can do whatever you want. I know that, that's a great category. I love Javier Bardem. You you talk about you know best Bond villains. He's definitely up there. Oh yeah, when he takes his like mouth thing out and yeah, yeah, he's a great Bond villain, and he's great in uh, No Country for Old Men too. Oh, absolutely. You know, Shador, whatever. Uh, he, he scares you. You're like this does. guy doesn't die. And you can see, like, <laughs> you can see the fear, like, when he's having the, the conversation about the, the coin flip and the, the gas station. The guy's, like, legitimately, like, petrified by him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, what, what, those kills in the movie with the, the cattle prod or whatever it is beforehand, like, they, yeah. they're spine tingling. You know, when he's talking to the guy in the street, the guy's like, well, I suppose if you want to fly out of here. Well, let me think here. Like the old, you know, <laughs> text and draw, and you're like, this guy has no idea who he's talking to. Like, this is going to go from zero to right. sixty. But uh, I think King, I think King Richard, Will for you know Will Smith for King Richard. No, I like to see him take it, um, but I'm not sure anymore. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, like I said, tough category, but it's a tough category. I think. Uh, I think he's got a good shot. Um, I I sometimes pay attention to those like probability things, and um, the last thing I saw, it's he's kind of like favored uh, to win. Yeah, which would be nice, you know, a fellow Philadelphian taking home the prize. Um, oh, a Philly, Philly guy. I, I like mean, to see. Great. I like to see one. He was great, Nolly and all. Yeah. Yeah, he's got um, good acting chops, you know. Yeah. Um, most things that he does turn to gold. I mean, they they do pretty well financially. And, right. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to see him win. Um, best actress is 
Jessica Chastain for Eyes of Tammy May, Eyes of Tammy Faye, uh, Olivia Coleman, um, who I think is a great actress in The Lost Daughter. Likewise. Uh, Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Uh, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos and Penelope Cruz for Madres Palias. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Paraleas. Um, that's a tough one. I, I like to see Olivia Coleman win that. It's interesting that Kristen Stewart is nominated. She was in Spencer about Diana Spencer. Olivia Coleman's arguably best known for playing Queen Elizabeth in The Crown. So it's kind of cool. But she'll always be in the, the girl from Hot Fuzz to me. Oh, definitely. <laughs> hot Fuzz. <laughs> I love Hot Fuzz. How are they? They're a little bitey, right? actually. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, that's a funny movie. Who do you... Do you yeah. have any... You don't mind a little man peril, do you, Doris? <laughs> right. That is a great flick, Hot Fuzz. That's fun. Yeah. It's a fun ride. I'm, I miss the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movies, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're great. Um, who do you think but, will take home back best actress Oscar? I would like to see Olivia win again too, but uh, I don't know. I I, I saw the the Tammy Faye Baker movie. I I would I think it probably is going to go to Jessica Chastain. Think so? And and I mean she's been great for a while too. I mean I know she was nominated for Zero Dark Thirty, and she's had other good. I mean. Molly's game wasn't such a great film, but he, she was great in it. I don't know if you saw that that about the gambling ring she ran. Good no. film, but um, but I I, I I hope she wins. She's she's a good actress, and they, you know, the the one one thing's for sure the uh, the makeup team that did her up in that film is going to win because they completely transformed her into. Uh, into Tammy Faye. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous how, how, how they made her look with the hair and everything. It's great. Work. I did see stills of that or the trailer. Um, they nailed it. I think. Yeah. To, to make that work. She, she would be good. Um, I'd like to see her win. Um, I, I saw, yeah, I saw Spencer. Um, I, I, appreciate what they did i didn't i wasn't really blown away by it it felt no, more melodramatic than it had to be a lot of that probably had to do with kristen stewart <laughs> i think I mean, so I'm, like I'm just sure be yourself a, yeah i'm sure she did a decent enough job to get nominated i just i don't she's very stiff to me yeah um, yeah yeah and i just i mean i don't get she keeps getting these roles too and and no, eh, I don't it's, know. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just like you, you just just keep giving it to her. She keeps finding work. You know, she works like all the time, right? So, I and then know. there's that, and I think the movies um, more so than like more so than other entertainment um, avenues like music or or even sports to a degree. Movies with actors and actresses. And even directors, I guess, when when you get a taste in your mouth for one of them, sometimes it could be really hard to get past it. You yeah, know? you're and, fixated on it, and that's all you're right. making them for the the idea that you're going to be nominated for this. So, like when, when I when I see when I personally see Kristen Stewart, I see the movie's going to bomb and she's going to be stiff. 
So it may take a few performances of hers to make me respect her. Maybe how I should, you know, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It, I mean, she jumped pretty quickly into these like serious kind of roles and I don't right. know, I felt like it's too fast and you're like, I'm not buying it. And whereas there's other people like, you know, like back in his, like Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman could have, you know, been filmed shitting on a, 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 on a well for an hour and a half. And I would have just been like, all right, Gene. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Good job. Absolutely. You know, Al Pacino, people like that. It's like you, whatever you do, you know, you could do right. anything. You could phone in your performance. It's going to be great, kind of thing. Um, best supporting actor, uh, we got Troy Kotzer for Coda, uh, Cody Smith McPhee for uh, Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons being the Ricardos, uh, Kieran Hines for Belfast, and Jesse Plemons for uh, Power of the Dog. Um, I'd love to see it go to Kieran Hines. I feel like he has done so much work in Hollywood. He's a great uh, character actor, supporting actor. He can play Russian. He can play kind of all these accents. He can be a great villain. He can sing. Right. He was in Family Opera. He's like a great showman. Um, I'd love to see it go to him or uh, J.K. Simmons, I feel like, has put in his time. Is a great actor and you know, he's very authoritative. You believe him. I'd love to see one yeah. of those guys get it. No, I love J.K. Simmons. I mean, if only for his uh, J.J. Jameson. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, of course. And he was he was great in the whiplash, which I think he did win. For. Um, did he I win best supporting? It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, I, I haven't seen these. Uh, I do like um, the actors in this category. It feels like it's going to be one of those where if um, I'll, I'll point to Joe Pesci of Goodfellas, where everything else is going to get kind of shut out, but the supporting actor is going to, going to win. So I think if Coda or um, Power the Dog doesn't take home the big prize, I think that act like if power of the dog loses out to best picture um i think jesse pelman's and it's it's going to be the supporting one is going to be shown first so if jesse pelman's wins you can almost hedge your bet that power of the dog isn't going to yeah you know good call saying? yeah yeah if they don't give it to I, the I feel like this up be, yeah i feel like this is going to be one of those instances they tend to do that with the supporting actors. It's like, oh, well, you know, Goodfellas isn't going to take home the best. Here you go. You know, your girl interrupted is not going to win anything else. So, yeah, here you go. Angelina Jolie, best supporting actor. Right, right. I feel like they're going to do that. They're going to make it up at, um, uh, make it up in the, the long run. Like, okay, we didn't give it, we didn't give Power of the Dog this. So, we're going to make it up in like best supporting actor or something like that. Right. Um, Supporting actress uh, nominees are uh, Kirsten Dunst, Power of the Dog, uh, Ariana DeBose, West Side Story, um, Jesse, which I thought West Side Story would have gotten more noms. I know Spielberg, we'll get to him in a second. Right. Director, which I'd always love to see him win. But um, Jesse Buckley's Lost Daughter, um, Anjanu Ellis, King Richard, and Judy Dench uh, in Belfast. So do you have any 
predictions on, on best supporting actress. Just, just love that Judy Dench, don't you? <laughs> I love Judy Dench. I love her dearly. But uh, I love her on a level more than most actresses. Uh, I just think she's great. I believe her. Yeah. She's just, she's wonderful. Yeah. And she took M to new heights. Speaking of James Bond. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I prefer bourbon. Your predecessor yeah. <laughs> kept some scotch. I prefer bourbon. Okay. All right. <laughs> if I wanted sarcasm, I'd get it from my children. You're like, oh, okay. Don't fuck with them. Yeah, M's, right. on, M's on fire. <laughs> Um, I'd love to see her win. I really would. Yeah. And Kirsten Dunst, I mean, I'm a, you know, we kind of grew up with her. I'm, I've always been a big Kirsten Dunst fan. Um, there's no talk. It's, it seems like, and I would be quite all right with this because she was great. Um, it seems like uh, DeBose from West Side Story is going to win, which would be amazing um, because her character, Anita, one 60 years ago when Rita Morano played the role. Oh uh, yeah. Good call. Yeah. That would be really and, interesting. And that has not happened very often in movie history where no. a character has been won, won an Oscar by two different actors for playing the same role. That, that has that happened before. It has happened one other time, I believe. Really? Yeah. Oh, it was Brando and De Niro. It sure was. <laughs> I want to talk to you about this uh, Salazzo business. You uh, say that the Tatayas can guarantee him. <laughs> I spoil my children. They talk and they should listen. <laughs> but, you know, I still use that line if uh, I have to uncomfortably say like no to something. Like It's like, hey, do you want to go see some band at downtown LA Saturday night? I was like, it makes no difference to me what you do with your weekend, but your plans are a little dangerous. You know, and they're like, what? That doesn't make sense. I was like, I'm not going. I'm not doing I, it. Not doing it. I, I recently, can't do it sound. Uh, I can't do it sound. I recently, uh, this week, actually, I used two, um, <laughs> two Godfather quotes in an actual conversation, and it fit. Really? Yeah, because my... <laughs> my my father, um, not to go in, my father um, is doing very well now, but a couple months ago he had uh, surgery. Um, so I was recent. I, I went to my local golf course and uh, my dad's big down there. So the one guy was asking me about him and then he kind of like ribbed me about like, you know, ah, I always tell your, your uncle, you know, that, you know, he's not the better tingle. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm like, you know, just like, you know, they've kind of broke the mold. I mean, when they made that, I said, it ain't easy being a son, but uh, <laughs> it <ain't> easy. <laughs> it's awesome. And uh, I forget what the other one was, but I was like, oh man, I'll always, I'll always throw those lines out there when the time comes. When the time comes, it's just, there just wasn't enough time. Once it is we'll on your powers, we'll get that. <laughs> we'll get, I use that one too. If it's like, uh, hey, like this is my boss will be like, hey, like our numbers are down or something. I'll be like, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get there, Pop. We'll get there, Pop. Drink my wine more than I should. It's good for you, Pop. Good for you. <laughs> uh, I, I, after our last show, I rewatched the first and the second one. And 
man, those just go down like like a fine wine. You know, I, right. I haven't seen them in, in a minute, I think, since the prior time. And I mean, it just lights takes you right back into it, you know, from the opening scene. Oh, absolutely. By the way, the opening scene of The Godfather is brilliant. The single shot that pulls back slowly <sighs> and the monologue. I mean, that's like filmmaking 101 right there. But and when they first reveal Marlon Brando as the Godfather, it's yeah. like absolute, very dark, you know. She didn't weep, but I wept. Why I wept. Did I, weep? <laughs> I love America. You we know? must go to Don Corleone for justice. What if you haven't invited me over for a cup of coffee? <laughs> Even though I'm Godfather, you know, <laughs> be my friend. Godfather. No unreliable people and people are not going to get outrageous. I mean, we're not murdering, no matter what he says. <laughs> Undertaker says, give it to the This Undertaker says. It's brilliant. Um, we, we talked about uh, Godfather 2 as well. Um, and not to go off on the whole Godfather thing, but the, oh, yeah. the cool. throw back and forth between present day Corleone, you know, like in the fifties, Michael and Vito coming over and his rise is like, it's brilliant. You know, they, they yeah. cut at the right times. The flashbacks make sense. They work. It's like two movies in one. It's just, it's, I can see why people think it's the better film of the two. Yeah. The fade ins. It's, I mean, it's yeah. masterful and, it's, and beautifully shot. Yeah, the, I mean, the feel that you get, it's, we have less to work with from, you know, the early 1900s. So when you see, when you see like the scene, um, you know, the scene at Ellis Island, tell him he has smallpox. And, and like, like, it seems so authentic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you it believe seems so authentic. Like, even if it wasn't, I would think, ah, who cares? Because it's, but uh, like that, it really gives you a nice, you know, depiction of what they were coming over to. Right. You know, he left Italy to sit in a room for three months. Yeah, at nine without his parents. Right, quarantined, and you believe right? Ellis Island, like the set and everything. Um, do they film on Ellis Island? Because it's very authentic looking. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. Good, and that thing is real with the the last name change. That was a real thing. If you came over here, it happened to my grandfather, my stepfather's. Dad. Oh, really? Yeah, they changed his last name if it was like too long or hard to pronounce. They would just, "This is your name." That's why they're like, "It's Corleone," you know. Um, Come on, son. What's your name? What's your name? <laughs> so Corleone. Antonio Andonini. Right. Yeah, it, Corleone. they just change it (laughs) so it's like it's amazing um but yeah really really bought that but yeah they go down like water i have yet to watch we watch the third one i I probably will this week at some point but um i got about after i watched one and two again i i sat down for three but i I passed down i never never got that with work and stuff it's so hard to to get back to some of these films right yeah it's true it's uh I don't know. I respect the films too. Like I won't watch them all the time. I'll watch it maybe like once a year or something like that. You know, like, like the planes, trains and automobiles thing. I, I respect it. I only watch it like 
Thanksgiving and it, it, the mold yeah. is already there. That's awesome. You say that because I, I go through the same thing, like, especially like Christmas time, I have to like force myself not to watch the wonderful life 14 times a week. Right. You yeah. Know? You gotta, you gotta like respect the art. So every Thanksgiving I watch planes, trains, automobiles, and I say Thanksgiving, but sometimes it'll wrap like Wednesday night into Thanksgiving. But yeah, that 36 hour range there, I usually watch planes, trains, um, Rocky and oh, yeah. um, it's, it's a wonderful life. And that kicks off my holiday movie season. That's beautiful. Because I, you know, I watch Rocky, Rocky too you know, around that time. I don't know why, but I always watch Rocky yeah. around that time. Because Rocky, because they, they got the turkey. Oh, uh, yeah. You want right. the bird? Go in the alley and eat the bird. <laughs> oh, Paulie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You hungry, Rocky? Like, the hell stinks. It stinks. <laughs> I always watch Rocky around that time, too. I remember I asked for Rocky on, uh, sometime I was in high school on DVD and uh, around Christmas. So I, I associate it with like Christmas time, Thanksgiving. And I usually watch it right around Thanksgiving. Planes, trains, I usually watch the night before Thanksgiving. Like the journey, like that week, you know, they're right. So I, it's always like, it's always been a perfect time for me because Thanksgiving, usually like having people over, you're going somewhere. And by the time it's over, I'm like in Christmas mode. So Thanksgiving Eve is always like for me, That's perfect. perfect time to like jump into Thanksgiving. If I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the John. Are you going to help me or not? <laughs> you going to stand there like a slab of meat with mittens? <laughs> <laughs> asshole. Now I'll move him, but you have to help him up with pleasure. Yeah, that's that. that how do they know which way we're going? <laughs> yeah, how would they know? Okay. Uh, there's a part of planes, trains, automobiles folklore is that there's a three-hour version of the movie that they 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 shot like. 10 miles of film for this. There was just so much film. And John Hughes, before he passed away, confirmed there was a three-hour cut, um, but it's probably deteriorated at this point because it was an actual film in like a vault. So um, if you ever watch on YouTube the trailers, the theatrical or the TV trailers, um, or even the televised version, there are two scenes, two or three scenes that aren't in the movie, the original cut. And that's like, John Candy eating food on the plane. And some girl gets his hair in there. There's another one where he's like singing in the bathroom. Um, there's a lot of uncut or a lot of unused footage that they didn't use for pacing and things like that. But um, I'd be very curious to see that because I, I've read the original script. It's it's a lot darker and longer, and they they cut a lot of things for pacing and for comedy. So I'd be really curious to see that come out someday. I'm surprised it didn't. Probably never will. I'd but, be down for that. Yeah, like there's like little things. Like, do you do you remember when they get their car towed by Michael McKean? They get pulled over. Yeah, and they um. So there's like two things with that scene. So like he has a Wisconsin State Police badge on, which means they overshot Chicago and they were in Wisconsin. Like they went too far. Yeah. So that was like a whole thing. And then do you remember when the John Candy was like, "Oh, we got to sit in the back. The truck." the cabbie's a little paranoid about people up there um, and they have to sit in the back of the, the, the truck to go to Chicago right. in the, like the freezer. Well, remember John Candy has a black eye in that scene. 
And it's because he got in a fight with the cabbie and the cabbie like punched him. But that was cut out. That's why you see him with a black eye all of a sudden towards the end of the movie. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So there's all that kind of stuff. Uh, Neil's wife thought he was having an affair, which if you remember in the movie, why she's like, what's going on, Neil? She's very like accusatory. You know, you figure like most yeah. guys would be like, I'm so sorry your plane got delayed. But she's like, what's going on? And she's crying. What's going at the on end. is I'm in Wichita. <laughs> Are you crazy? Not yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> so I feel like the movie's perfect as it is. I wouldn't change a thing. Right. But it'd be interesting to see like that long cut just for like shits and giggles one day. Yeah, I find those long. Like I, I find I don't put much into them because I, I usually feel like they were cut for a reason. Right. Um, same yeah. like with songs. Like I like hearing like alternative versions of you know nirvana or you know the beatles or whoever it might be yeah but then you hear it and it's like man this isn't this isn't how you know come as you are supposed to sound right like the anthology records right yeah there's like like some gems in there but overall not really the the strawberry fields on the anthology is really stellar yeah there's like three versions on there right yeah um And, and obviously there's a couple others, but, but then, you know, there's other ones that, you know, and they released this on a CD that we all paid 30 bucks for. Like, right. you know, and I'm, I'm shitting on the Beatles, which is not normally what I do. Um, where, you know, John, John just kind of like loses it in songs like, uh, um, um, what the hell is this song? The one that I like that nobody else likes. Uh, yes, it is. Um, at the end of, uh, you know, please don't wear red tonight. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he just kind of like loses the lyrics and he's like, die, dee, dee, die. Yeah, he's like, and and Paul and Rocky Raccoon, he's like, he was smaking, smaking? Like he meant to say smaking. Yeah, smaking. Did they do those versions because Michael Jackson had the rights? Or was that just to release something they haven't done before? I think it was just to release something that that you know they were kind of kicking around. They were massive when those came yeah. out. Those un- free as a bird, or uh, yeah, I free as a bird. It. Yeah, which I love that video for. Do you remember the video? Yeah, they had the bird's eye view going all around London, but each scene was a part of a different Beatles song, like a newspaper taxi, and like I think that video is top five ever. It was just brilliant. For capturing yeah, like, it was, nostalgia. It, it incorporates everything about them. It was great. It was great. Um, I uh, I just lost what I was going to say. Something about John um, Lennon forgetting the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Freeze. I I revisit the the anthologies a lot actually. Um. Yeah. Um. I haven't since Get Back came out. Um. But I'm, I'm sure I will. The DVDs over there. Eventually, I'll get back to them. There's so yeah. many gems. Well, I, I, I know what I wanted to say. Now, there, the one scene that always gets me is Paul talks about how they were just like writing in the back of the van or whatever, and and yes. some they basically like. Long story short, um, somebody opened a window or whatever, and all all their stuff like left, and like just like papers rolling on it. And all you could think of is like, there's man, there was probably like, you know, 30, 50, 100, you know, beetle gems that just like soared out the window that they, they were like just lost. gone. Right. Oh, no. You think about that too. You're like, what, what could have been? 
you know, they've done so much. Like what, what could they have lost? You know what I'm saying? Right. I felt like the anthology did it right too with, uh, they found these two unreleased John Lennon songs. They remastered them and added their stuff. So essentially it was the first new Beatles song since the seventies. Um, and I, I felt like with the periods, like the early years, the middle years and the end, um, it was like a really special thing to happen when that came out. You know, uh, one, one weird note on that. Um, a friend of mine told me this, um, the end of free as a bird. And they just kind of, they just kind of mix a few things together. And then you kind of hear John mutter some shit. Yeah. Um, he's on like a ukulele or something. Yeah. They like, that was just like a, me- um, they just kind of mashed some things together. And what turned out was John being heard saying John Lennon. Um, and apparently that was not that that was not planned when when they when they finished the mix or whatever what they got out of it was John saying John Lennon. Oh, really? So yeah, it's That's interesting. One of those weird. You know, the Beatles had a lot of those kind of like, you know, other parties in hand. You know, like God stepping in kind of thing. You know, like John dreaming up the lyrics of. Uh, yesterday and him you know them waking or not not john paul you know just kind of woke up with a tune in his head and you couldn't couldn't get it out you know yeah uh, yeah there's like hand to god kind of things where it's like they had a lot of those moments that's why oh, they're, they're so, so good fun. yeah, yeah. That's why it's so great what's your favorite beatles album or period of time like in their career um, my favorite album is revolver oh a classic yeah dr um, robert Gotta get you into my life. And with Tax George. Man coming out, opening up with George's Tax Man. It's like, yeah, that you album, that? It's so got, I think that was like their, you know, they left, they left the concerts behind. They left the team, the, that sound behind, which just kind of why I, over the year, over the, like the recent years, I've kind of fallen back in love with eight days a week. Because Eight Days a Week is a song that sounds like it should have come out two or three years prior, but it kind of marks the end of their little, like, yeah, yeah, like, yes, you know, the yeah, yeah, yeah period. Uh, it's just a simple little, like, clap along ditty. And then after after that, they go into, you know, Revolver, or, well, Rubber Soul and then Revolver and then um, Sergeant, Sergeant Pepper. Pepper, which is you know, arguably the the three greatest the the best three album run by anyone right oh yeah uh, I mean, easily the things that they did change music and um, 100%. they were never clicking on all cylinders the way they were in those the in that time period in my opinion so oh no they were all masterpieces clearly and i like revolver too because it's the first album where they kind of started getting experimental. I mean, they're always experimental, but they really started experimenting with like studio sounds. And like you said, getting out of like the concerts and the yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was sort of the next step out of the seats right. and like Brian Epstein, you know, sending them to shows and all that stuff. They were just like, we're going to do other stuff. And then Sergeant Pepper was like full swing, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Full swing, like Ugh. experimental drug phase. Like, let's do this. We're we're hitting all the all the gems tonight, man. We're we're, we're t- <laughs> you gotta be talking about James Bond and the Beatles and Godfather. The Godfather. Christ. Now we'll, we'll just bring up religion and <laughs> politics and we'll call it a night. Yeah, right. No, um, I know yeah. I know we're wrapping up on time, but I wanted to ask you, uh, I wanted to bring up finally, just to cap off the Oscar talk, um, best director tonight. Um, can I read you the nominees? Sure. Uh, Michael Tingle in The Power of Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> Liam Hare in I Found a Gun in My Attic. <laughs> How about that, man? Listeners, our friend Liam was renovating yeah. his attic, uh, renovate, redoing his garage. It like, caught fire. And the contractors found a bag of guns up there from, looks like the 1850s, one of them was. I think they were actually left by Bruno Kirby. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. There's also a big oriental rug up there that they stole. Right. But what would you do with that if you found those guns? I would go to the cops and be like, what are these like a crime scene weapon or it's kind of it's a weird yeah. fine you know yeah like hey before i sell these for i mean they gotta be worth they're they look i don't know if they look usable but they look sellable i'm sure I, I, yeah, I don't think was, somebody like would take that off his hands rust and stuff but there's yeah. no shortage of gun collectors and if you have somebody that's like i really need this i'm just making this up i don't know guns this 1850 you know, cult peacemaker. I can't find it from this year. Somebody would be like, I'll give you 10 grand for that or something. You know, I mean, you never know. It's like right. crazy. I was hoping. Crazy I, story though. When, <laughs> you see, when you see that your friend finds guns in his attic from two, from two centuries ago. It's yeah. crazy. Crazy. And he's a, he's a smart dude. I know he's careful, but like, I'm glad he found it and not like some kid or something. Cause you, right. you got, those things you just go, you don't know how old they are. If they're clean, they just go off, you know, that's like crazy. Yeah, Like those, like those bombs that go off. Like, right. Like the old like landmines and stuff. <laughs> yeah. They always find it every like five years. They're like, they found a German bomb in a field and, you know, Czech Republic or there was a torpedo found the bomb team was called in. They're always, cause there's so much, you know, detonation, uh, ordinances that from wars that they find you're like geez right this is crazy um but anyway yeah the best uh best directors are uh gene campion the power of the dog kenneth brano from uh belfast uh ryusu kamaguchi drive my car steven spielberg west side story and paul thomas anderson for licorice pizza mm. now i don't know who's gonna win I would like to see Spielberg win just because I don't know how many more chances he's going to get. And he's like the director for me of like our generation. Like it'd be nice to right. see him win. And I think he's due. I think it's been a while. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about, so I, I'm not sure who's going to win. And West Side Story was really well done. Um, I mean, I've, I know people that even like it better than the original one, which I find I'm, I don't know. I, I love the original one. It's so colorful. It's, yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's, it's hokey and it's old, but at the same time, it's, you know, you got great performances by you know, Rita Morano and George Chikaris and um, the music, everything. 
Uh, but getting off topic a little bit, I think Spielberg, with a tough act to follow, um, followed it well. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I agree with you on all all points. That said, if if not Spielberg, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Kenneth Branagh win. I'm I've always been a big fan of him. He's got Marvel and Harry Potter ties, um, yes. and I don't know. Um, we in high school we had a teacher who my English teacher was like obsessed with him. So she would constantly put on like Hamlet and much ado about nothing. And, and, you know, of course I, I dug them all because I liked him and I like Shakespeare. Um, but, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah I, he's I'd a like true see, Shakespearean actor. Right. So I'd like to see him get her. Why don't, I think he did win something for Hamlet, for Hamilton, for Hamlet. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see him, see him win. If not Spielberg, him. Right. Yeah, he'd be great to win too. Uh, great choice. He's what I call like a do it all actor, do it all guy. He can like act, direct, produce. He kind of like falls into every role, you know? Right. Um, he's, yeah, because he's a Shakespearean actor, like his chops are a little bit more fine tuned, you know, like he's classically trained. I, I just, yeah, he, he'd be a great, great choice to win. Um, what was Spielberg's last like best? director oscar was it like warhorse or something i don't know the last one that he won for i think was uh saving private ryan i don't think he's won since then he got nominated oh, okay. for uh remember munich the movie about the olympic yes. bombing yes um he got nominated for that and then you mentioned warhorse i think he was nominated for that too i don't think he's been nominated since those two but i, I could be wrong Norhorse. Um, yeah. Snorehorse, right? Snorehorse? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was okay. Um, I know we're wrapping up and all, but um, can you read me off the 10 for best picture? Um, just so we yes, can do that. I, we only really talked about Dune and the uh, the other two, Coda and Oh, yeah. Dog. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, best picture nominees for. 2022 Academy Awards ceremony are Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up, Dune, Drive My Car, Belfast, Licorice Pizza, The Power of the Dog, West Side Story, King Richard, and Coda. Yeah. Yeah, it's not exactly, you know, Gone with the Wind versus Wizard of Oz. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, it's definitely uh, not Apollo 13 and Saving Private Ryan and right all those 90s movies that stacked up and you're like, wow, these are all so good. Apollo 13, another Gary Sinise gem. Yeah. Yeah. He was on fire in like 94, 95. Yeah. Did the stand. I mean, he was all over. And uh, Ransom. Remember Ransom? Yes. Give me back Ran my son. <laughs> Ransom was Mel Gibson, too. Yeah. Yeah, he was good in that. He was good in Snake Eyes, too. I know a lot of people don't like that movie. I, th I thought it was a well-shot movie. Um, right. But he was good. It was like a whodunit kind of Hitchcock thing. But I thought he was good in that, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we mentioned the, the Dune. I don't know. I, I want to see the Belfast. That's the Kenneth Branagh film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Belfast would be good. But it deserves um, something, you know. <laughs> I love those. I love Irish uh, Irish movies about the troubles, and even like as a backdrop, like Patriot Games, Devil Zone, um, even like season four of The Crown, mm-hmm. In the Name of the Father. Like they're um fascinating. Boxer. What's that? Remember the boxer. Oh, yeah. Remember the, the boxer. Yeah. Yeah, the boxer, like they're just they're great. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well. I, I I would be surprised, I guess, when you going through the, the nominees that you just said, if it wasn't Coda or um, um the Pursuit of Dog, I would be surprised if someone else won. Yeah. Well, I think West Side Story would be fitting. Um Belfast kind of has the feel of the film that isn't going to win anything. You know, you know the type right. of film I'm kind of talking about. I mean, you'll get some nominations and you know, it'll just kind of fall short. Um, yeah. And that's not a knock on it. There are plenty, if you go through history, there are a lot of films that kind of fall into this realm. Um, Taxi Driver, for one. Oh, yeah. If history um, has taught us anything, Michael, it's that any movie can be nominated. <laughs> Difficult. Right on. Not impossible. <laughs> Michael, alive! Um, <laughs> Michael? Uh, hey. He, he's, he's coming. Anthony, <laughs> <laughs> um, will you give your fa- mother a oh. Wait, what'd you say? Will you give your mother a kiss goodbye? Yeah, oh yeah, the, the whiny Tyshire Shire voice. Like, because I need money. Al, can you get him a drink? <laughs> Michael, I need money. can you give him You're money? You're not my father! <laughs> now, what do you come to me for? Because I need money. I love watching Talia Shire and Rocky and uh, Godfather. because Godfather too. Because it's polar opposites. She's shy yeah. and Rocky and timid and Godfather too. Because I need money. Can you get him a drink? It's Even she was too. smart enough to not do God, uh, Rocky Five. She's like, fuck this. Yeah. It's funny, too. She, uh, As the Rocky films get deeper, she gets more Talia Sherry and less Adrian. She's, she's yes. awesome in Rocky One. Yeah. But, you know, midway to, midway through two, it's like, you know, he's my husband. I love him. You know. <laughs> Oh, I mean Rocky Balboa, not Rocky Five. She was in Rocky Five. By right after Rocky Five, she's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I'm not with doing the late, this again. With the late Tommy Gunn, right, right, yeah, Tommy Gunn. I want a shot. I want the jam. I'm the jam. I'm not afraid of nobody. With his mullet, with his early nineties. Okay, wait. He a prize fighter. You, you a street fighter. He, he a prize fighter. You a street. You, are a prize fighter. He is street fighter. Man, you don't own me. Nobody does. Nobody does. I respect. My we'll room's in the street. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I, I do love. Like I do love the down. line. Why don't you try knocking me down now? Yeah, that's it. I love that line. <laughs> you knock him down. Why don't you try knocking me down now? Let's do no. it. Uh, Rocky Five, for all of its flaws, I will always have a special place in my heart. It's the first movie Rocky movie I ever saw. I saw it theatrically as a kid. I didn't understand. The references, right. so I'm like asking my dad, like, "What is that gym?" He's like, "Oh, that's where he trained." And I always thought it was kind of cool to see like the old buildings I'm coming back to, you know. But 
Right. And I mean, eh, now you look at it and it's whatever, but I mean, you know, I was 10 at the time. What did I know? Plus, you know, I was always a big Elton John fan and there was an Elton John song at the end. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. The power of measure of a man, measure of a man. Right. And that was supposed to be like the last Rocky. Yeah. And then Sly must've needed some money. Although I needed a house payment. To be fair, he was great in Creed, and yeah. I liked Rocky Balboa a lot. I just there was some things I didn't like about it, but I dug it. It was okay. Thought it was cool too. You know, when it came out, um, it was cool to see Rocky in a modern setting. It was like 2006 Philadelphia. Like the skyline was modern that you remember, you know, from seeing from like going to Phillies games and stuff. Right. Um, like I thought that was cool. You know. Yeah, and he's you know, and he's sitting there talking to all his restaurant patrons, and he's got right. Spider Rico working in his damn kitchen and stuff. Yeah, it's like, like all right, you know what? This is kind of cool. Like his and, son's and he, a bit of a turd, but that this is all right. Right? Yeah, his son's a bit of a turd, but I mean, like they, I think he nailed it with the whole restaurant thing. Like boxers, I think like Joe Frazier, like a lot of those guys when they own these shops, they'll like come in and be like telling stories, you know, to keep business flowing and things like that. And I feel like right. that's what Rocky would do in real life. Like he probably owns some Italian joint and tell war stories about Apollo Creed and stuff, you know? So, right. And there's actually, good. there's a genuinely touching part at the end um, with the great um, Burt yeah. Young before, before he goes into the ring and he says something to the effect of, you know, look, you know, whatever you got inside you, get it out now, make this it. Cause you know, I can't see you do this anymore. I love you so much. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically like you. this brotherly, like it was, it was really like to see that from Paul, it was, it's a nice touch. Really nice touch. And he gives him a little kiss and it's very like, yeah, leave it all out yeah. in the ring this time kind of thing, which is good. Um, and I feel like Stallone did the smart thing with Creed. I mean, it would just be overkill to do another Rocky at his age and, the way Rocky Balboa ended, but he, he can't like ignore that character one because there's money involved and the studio can make more, but to do like a spinoff, I felt like it was a smart move, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah and then, like I never, I haven't seen Creed two yet, but you know, Creed, the first Creed was great. Um, and uh, you want to talk about Oscar snubs. I was, I'm still kind of mad to the day that Felicia Rashad didn't get nominated for that film. She was excellent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. She got snubbed. Yeah. Yeah. It's no good. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you on the um, Academy Award Best Picture uh, on your predictions. So I think that's a good, a good call. I'd like to see Belfast get it pound for pound, but we'll see. Yeah, maybe I'll watch see. that now. My, my wife and I were going to watch one of the one of the contenders, I think, before uh, before the presentation. So, oh yeah, I like to see. I wish you were presenting tonight. They go and presenting for you know best picture is Mike Tingle, and you come out in like an Eagles jersey or something like that. You're like, hey, right. what's up, guys? It's me. I would I would do my best Norman Schwarzkopf impersonation. I'm like, who am I? Why am I here? Because <laughs> I believe you. You know, all like you're the film guy. You know, all things film. So you're. When you give predictions and stuff, it's it's like valid, you know. Me, I'm just a guy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I've seen it. It's okay. You're like, you know, the medium. And uh, I appreciate, it. yeah. I'm, I'm, 
and actually uh, i'd like to get back to how i was before because i used to really go out of my way to make sure i saw all these films and i just i haven't really been in on it lately um i mean there's two kids running around now and i'm constantly working but yeah at the same time i used to make time for film um i'd like to again uh, yeah. kind of reached the point where uh you know when i'm scrolling through new films to see it's like you know there's there's one film two films oh look it happened one night i can watch that again right <laughs> you know I it's do like the same when, thing it's I like you know I, I always yeah i often tell people like when you know they talk to me about new shows and all and then i'll think about watching a new show and it's like all of a sudden i'm like man i haven't seen flight of the concords in the sopranos in a while <laughs> right i'm with you 100 percent you see something because they always do the suggestions and I'm like, oh, yeah, right. I'll watch this again. This was good. Um, you stick with the familiar. Totally get it. Stick with the familiar. What you got to do. Uh, I want to thank Mike Tingle. Thank you for being on the show again, sir. My pleasure, buddy. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Please come back soon. And uh, thank you for tuning in to the podcast. This is uh, Tingle Classic Movies and we'll see you next time. <laughs>